Welcome back to Ground Rule Triple Radio Episode 2. Unfortunately, Lil VZ was unable to join me for this episode, but we brought in a pinch hitter, a man that I've known for a little while now. I think you guys will really enjoy his input on our subject today. In this episode, Ground Rule Triple Radio tackles a controversy that's a few weeks in the making now. Most of you, baseball fan or not, have probably heard about Adam Lourish's decision to retire after being asked to limit his son's time in the clubhouse. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome everybody to Ground Rule Triple Radio at number two. I'm your host, Big D, and I'm joined by our very special guest, who I will introduce soon. Unfortunately, Lil VZ was not able to join me for this episode, but let's get into the topic at hand. Just a few weeks ago, Adam LaRoche, the former Chicago White Sox first baseman and designated hitter, has retired. Nobody saw it coming. The baseball world was stunned. It's probably a little too late to cover this on a podcast, as everything has kind of died down a bit, but we're going to talk about it anyway. According to ESPN, LaRoche had had asked after signing with the White Sox last winter if Drake, his 14-year-old son, could have clubhouse access, and that request was granted by White Sox manager Robin Ventura. Drake not only had his own uniform and spring training locker last year, but also had a locker in the White Sox clubhouse during the regular season. It was also noted that at no point did Drake appear to be a distraction last season, and was in fact a welcome addition to the group. He played video games with players pregame, shagged balls during batting practice, and was not one to draw attention to himself in the clubhouse. So, now we have to ask the question, what changed? Why did LaRoche retire? Apparently, the White Sox asked LaRoche to limit Drake's time with the team. From what I've heard, Drake went with his father to most of the team's games and became the unofficial 26th man on the roster. Some, however, became tired with his son in the clubhouse and locker room. Apparently, some of the players met with the White Sox officials to discuss this. When the White Sox asked LaRoche to dial back his son's participation, LaRoche didn't take it too well. With one year and $13 million left on his contract, LaRoche decided to retire a little early. The White Sox insist that they only asked LaRoche to reduce his son's time with the clubhouse, but LaRoche tells a different story. According to Bleacher Report, LaRoche has said, I was, not, I was told not to bring Drake to the ballpark at all. Obviously, I expressed my displeasure toward this decision to alter the agreement we had reached before I signed with the White Sox. Upon doing so, I had to make a decision. Do I choose my teammates and my career, or do I choose my family? The decision was easy, but in no way was it a reflection of how I feel about my teammates, manager, general manager, or the club's owner. So now we have two opposing stories, and I'm not sure that the public really knows which is true. I think that only the White Sox players and staff know what really happened in this controversial story. Joining me to discuss this story is Cornerstone Dad from his website at cornerstonedad.com. Welcome, Cornerstone Dad. Hey, hey, what's going on, man? Thank you for having me. No problem. As a lifelong baseball fan and now a grandfather, I thought you'd be perfect to discuss something that relates to something both on the field and off the field. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, this is definitely kind of a strange story and one that I'm really surprised has not come up really a long time ago because, you know, the tremendous history, the baseball, uh, probably more so than any other sport has had in terms of having, you know, kind of father and son involvement on the field and in the clubhouse. So, yeah, this is definitely one that kind of meshes both sides of my world and I'm looking forward to talking about. All right. All right. So what's your take on this story? You know, the LaRoche and the White Sox. This one is really strange. And, you know, really what you alluded to, it's really funny at how things got played out. And really, you almost need kind of a a newspaper or some behind the scenes journalist to come out and give us the real story, simply because I don't think both sides are necessarily expressing the truth. It just doesn't make sense. On one hand, you have LaRoche, who is saying they told him not to bring his son at all to the ballpark. And then on the other side, the White Sox are saying, okay, let's limit his involvement. You mean to tell me that they could not come up with something in between or some kind of resolution in between? It just sounds strange. So I don't know if perhaps LaRoche took it as though you'll never bring him to the ballpark when maybe the White Sox thought he should just not be there perhaps during practice time when the other players are there. Or, you know, if the White Sox, maybe they did say, don't bring him in at all and they just don't want to admit that or it seems that some resolution could have been could have been at least suggested instead of having this kind of black and white response of well I'm just going to quit playing the game altogether if I can't bring my son right but I mean just the way LaRoche was raised and he was brought up in the clubhouse with his dad playing major league baseball so he was accustomed to being in the clubhouse and i thought he just thinks i think he that he thinks that his son should have the same uh, childhood so i think just when maybe the white Sox um just kind of thought that he should reduce his time maybe laroche kind of took it uh, a little too far i'm not pointing fingers here but I just think that maybe that's what happened. He um, just thought that because his son can't be in the clubhouse and he's LaRoche is probably going to retire soon anyway, he probably just retired a little early. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. I think when you look at the motives on both sides, perhaps the White Sox did not really want him you know, that much anyway, so they did not come up with another solution to this problem it's like okay if you want to walk away fine and on the same side maybe LaRoche didn't really want to play with them another year anyway so you know like you said I'm going to retire soon anyway so I'm not going to worry about it but you know either way I think if we look back in the past and you know I'm, I'm an old dude in this game so in terms of watching down through history I remember Pete Rose and his son on the Cincinnati Reds there was a baseball card that I had they had Pete Rose and his son both on their their knees watching the game and it was like oh man I wish that could be me and my dad or I think of the great times with uh, Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. so you know here was you had this father and son or Prince and Cecil Fielder now I lived and grew up in Detroit so it was a big thing you had Cecil Fielder coming back to hit 50 home runs. And this was kind of during that era in which, you know, home runs had really dropped where you were doing good to hit like 32 in a year. And all of a sudden, Big Cecil comes out. He hits 50, started getting all of this notoriety. And then you see his little son, Prince, who really, you know, at the time was even shaped, you know, a a portly fellow. 
just like his father, Cecil. So it was really this cute story. But you see Prince inside, you know, this major league clubhouse as well. And this relationship between father and son. And what's really funny is that later on in the years, you come to find out, well, the relationship wasn't as tight as everyone thought. However, it still was always kind of that warm and fuzzy feeling you got of watching this boy see his father play this game. And so this whole tradition of, of having your son around has been a part of baseball, like I said, more so than any other sport. And it's just really, uh, I think maybe now we're in the 21st century that perhaps their your clubs themselves are a little bit more sensitive to having a son in the locker room. Uh, I would personally Although I would love to have my sons in the locker room with me, I also have to be sensitive to the fact that there are some things that go on in a locker room, a clubhouse that I wouldn't want my sons exposed to. So I don't know if that had come into play as well. So there are a few other avenues that, that might have to be looked at on to really get behind the truth of this story. Yeah, I just really thought it was interesting because I think a main term between, you know, in this controversy was the term work. Is it work or is it almost play? I mean, total Roche, I mean, to ev really every baseball player, it almost seems like play because, you know, it is a game. You, you know, you're supposed to have fun and you know, sound like a kid saying it. But to the white sauce, this is a business and this is work because their 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 objective is to make money. So if they're not making money, then they have to make certain decisions against the popular opinion to make the money. And so I used to be on the White Sox side, you know, because LaRoche had batted an almost career low 207, a, bat a batting average 207, and then had, had over 127 games, just had really a low season last year. I used to be on their side because it almost seems like LaRoche's son, Drake, was really a distraction to him. But after looking through his stats, that was really his first full season in the AL because he had played in the NL his whole life. And I, I think that because his son was participating with the Nationals, he played with the Nationals from 2011 through 2014, mm. he... His son was involved with him and the Nationals clubhouse. And so I don't think really anything really changed between his son being in the clubhouse and just being a distraction to him. I think really what it was was maybe these new AL pitchers who he was not used to. He just had to get used to them, get used to the whole AL league. And maybe that was just a down year for him to get accustomed to everything. So I really, I don't think that his son was as much of a distraction to him as it might have been maybe a few seasons past. Well, I, I think that's your first point about it being work is really it's the right of both sides. For example, if I work for a company and I wanted to bring my sons and daughters to work, well, if my employer said no, technically there's nothing I can do about it. They said no. So if I'm going to work at that establishment, I'm going to have to play by the rules of my employer. On the flip side, if I choose not to obey those rules that were established by my employer, I mean, in a traditional workplace, your employer can even establish where you park in the parking lot. 
They say we we you know if if you work let's say in the service industry at a store, all employees need to park way away because we want the closer parking spaces to be set for our customers. Well, that's just what you have to do. The bottom line, if you don't like it, you quit and you go find another job. So in a way, both sides exercise their right here. And another quick thing is, what goes on in the clubhouse? So when we say that, okay, his son is involved in the clubhouse, when is his son in there? Is it just during pregame activities, during warm-ups, during game time? And that may also have a big, a, a tremendous impact on maybe you know who's viewed as right or wrong in here because surely after a game or let's say before a game if you know teams often have closed door meetings where they really try to motivate one another you know again there may be a lot of swearing maybe a lot of things that that someone may not want their kid exposed to or people may not feel comfortable addressing in front of someone else's child and if that's the case then certainly I think the players or, or the leaders of the team do have a right to go and say, you know what, this is a workplace and we don't feel comfortable having a 14-year-old. Maybe if it's a four-year-old or an eight-year-old that may not understand or comprehend some of the jokes and language, but at 14, eh, now it's kind of like having another adult in there and they may not be comfortable with that in the workplace. Yeah. And I think LaRoche was just little, just mad because he and the White Sox already had this agreement that upon signing, his son mm. was coming to the clubhouse. And so because they had this agreement, I think he was just a little mad and or upset that his son, he was asked that his son could spend less time in the clubhouse after they had this agreement. That's a good point. And that that is probably maybe the key variable in all of this. If the White Sox agreed and said, this is okay, then, you know, on one hand, again, as the employer, I'm sure they have the right to go back on anything they agree to. But at the same time, then LaRoche has the right to also walk away. It would be shameful on the White Sox uh, if they did agree to this in the beginning. Um, Perhaps either the White Sox should not have agreed to it if they thought, well, there are some conditions that we would not want to allow this. And at the same time, uh, if LaRoche, you know, if if he knew that they could change things at any time, well, maybe he wouldn't have made the deal. But that's that's a really key variable. If the White Sox agreed to it and everyone knew that that, you know, this is if you get Adam LaRoche, you also get his son. Well, you know, that that may play uh, play a part in their decision making as well. Right. And I just wonder if the players had any say. And I, um, I doubt that they did that the players had to say whether or not LaRoche's son could come to the clubhouse upon signing. I mean, just since it seemed like the mm-hmm. players felt this, uh, felt uncomfortable or just didn't like his son being in the clubhouse, I think it just um, the White Sox making that decision just sounded, I mean, just almost led up to disaster. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, that That's definitely a good point. Did the players have a say-so in any of this? And I'm sure they did not. So, uh, again, there's another key variable that gets thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe the White Sox agreed to it. Maybe it was a good deal to LaRoche. But at the end of the day, the people that get disrupted or really should be you know, kind of ping for their approval should be the players. Mm-hmm. And that also brings up the other fact, if I were, you know, let's say a White Sox player, which, you know, uh, I guess with kind of season that they have been having lately, I wouldn't necessarily want to be. But if I were a White Sox player and I see LaRoche in there with his 14-year-old son, 
then I would certainly want to bring my 16 year old and 11 year old son in there as well. So at that point, what at what point do the White Sox or would the White Sox have to cut off, you know, kind of this limit anyway? And would they say, well, it's okay for Adam because we agreed to it in the first place, but it's not okay for you. Well, you know, I might have a little bit more of a problem with that. And, you know, and so the White Sox may implement a policy, no more kids. So it, it becomes a real gray area because, again, we're talking about the workplace, not a baseball field where you bring your son to a softball game. Right. And, yeah, there's just going to be just it's just going to be a rolling stone. It's not, it's going. I can't remember the term, but um, you got to set the line somewhere because then it's just going to keep escalating. Like maybe somebody wants to bring in their daughter and then they're really maybe they're really going to feel uncomfortable. And then it's just going to be some again, you said a gray area and it, it's just somewhere you got to set the line. That's it. That's exactly right. I mean, and the, yeah. Uh, what if someone wanted to bring their daughter in there? Um, in years past, if we go back, uh, you know, a couple of decades, there were issues involved with whether women should be allowed in the male locker rooms to cover the game, women reporters. So, uh, you know, and vice versa. So you do, you get into other things involving gender roles, which could end up presenting a problem. And we often see this in the workplace where one case or quote unquote one problem case really ends up becoming the one that sets policy for everyone else. Even if they, you know, did not have uh, the exact same issue workplace, they in, in the workplace, they kind of like to say, let's go ahead and set this policy. So everyone has to abide by it in the future. And that could have been involved in the white house th- in the white Sox thinking in this case, I was a white house. Well, I guess it could be the white house too, but certainly yeah. in the white, <laughs> white Sox case. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a really interesting case, just coming from both sides, and nobody really knows what happened. You know, the public doesn't really know what happened. It's just really kind of secret almost, and you just need just I think just only the White Sox players and staff just really know what happened inside that clubhouse. All right, um, anything you also anything else you'd like to say before we go, Cornerstone Dad? Well, no, um, you know, I, I, well, actually, I'll say yes. I, I think this is definitely one to watch and see how it goes in other sports as well. Um, I didn't get a chance to read the story, but I just heard something recently about a, a child. And I don't know if it was his child running onto the basketball court during the game with Carmelo Anthony. Uh, and I think if we go back to Dusty Baker during the World Series when he had his grandson was out there on the field during the World Series, key play of the game, the entire series. And, you know, I think it was J.T. Snow had to snatch him off a home plate, Um, you know, and it was I remember watching that. It was like, is this real? And so, you know, imagine the problems that could have you know come about from that. So uh, it is a case to kind of watch. Um, I really wish they could have, you know, had another resolution to this instead of LaRoche just having to quit altogether. Uh, And it might not be the end of the story. We might see, you know, uh, does LaRoche go to another team? Uh, I don't know what happens in the terms of the contract. And if another team is interested, would they agree to this? I guess if LaRoche was hitting 207 last year, it's kind of hard for him to make his argument um, and, and make teams go with that. But I think this is definitely one to watch and, and you know, kind of evaluate even in other sports and see if you kind of see the same policies begin to be adopted in terms of what goes on having your child uh, in the clubhouse or on the field. All right. So how can people get a hold of you? Got any social media handles? Uh, we already mentioned your website. How, how else can people contact you? 
Oh, thank you. I'll say the best thing to do is just uh, give me a shout. Check me out over at cornerstonedad.com. That's cornerstonedad.com. Or drop me an email at cornerstonedad at gmail.com where we talk about fatherhood issues, a little bit about sports. The main thing I I love to talk about sociology and sociology of sport issues. So, uh, you know, baseball is definitely a part of that as well as other sports and how it pertains to fatherhood. So the darkest of night on the horizon, bright light into sight tight. Camera zoom on the impending doom, but then like boom, black suits fill the room up with the quickness. Talk with the witnesses, hypnotize Hopefully you enjoyed Ground Rule Triple Radio's second episode. What do you think about our guest, Cornerstone Dad? Do you think we should bring him back? Let us know in the comments. That's it from us this week, guys. Next week, Lil VZ and I will most likely take a look at the Triple Crown and a few flaws that it has in 21st century baseball. See you next time, guys.